As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means... In the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. Hello and welcome back to the Upper Quartile Podcast. I am your host, Jim Aiello, and I am joined by the Athletics Indianapolis Colts beat writer, James Boyd. Ah, James, this has been, in large part, the Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor podcast, and I think this might be the last time we, not the last time, we might have news, official news about Anthony Richardson undergoing surgery Right now, it's just likely, as you you reported last night, it looks like it's a strong, strong possibility that that Colts rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson uh, will undergo seizing and seizing season ending surgery to repair the uh, the AC joint in his right throwing shoulder. Um, I don't have a question. Mostly, I just have to say it's a huge bummer. I really loved watching Anthony Richardson play. It's a huge bummer for the Colts, who we talked about before the season, like. A successful season for them is finding out, do you have a franchise quarterback? And again, showed a lot of signs. Very exciting. I think they do. But at this point, small sample size. And we might have to wait till next year to, to really answer that question. Yeah, tough stuff. Talked to Jim Ursay, Colts owner, last night. Here's his full statement. He said, really, there is no decision that's been made for sure to do surgery. But I'm just saying that's probably what's going to happen. He will probably have surgery done, which will probably mean missing the rest of the season. That's what it looks like, but that's not guaranteed yet. So anyway, that sums it up. No decision has been final, but it's heading in that direction. So reading the tea leaves or just reading, period, you kind of <laughs> understand that um, within you know the near future, we'll probably get a decision on surgery, which Stane Steichen has basically uh you know, just avoided, you know, didn't know much. He would say that. He would say he didn't know what was next. But obviously, straight from the horse's mouth, Jim Ursay would know uh, more than anybody else what AR status is going forward. And it does look like surgery is going to be the most likely outcome, most likely option. And then if that is the case, um, you know, the the rehab, the recovery, all those things would take him out for the rest of the season. And there is really no incentive to try to rush him back. Um, you know, because of where the Colts are as a franchise, where he is at, you know, in the first year of his career. But like you said, a complete bummer um, and, and very uh, just disappointing. I can only feel 
uh, so bad, but certainly probably not as bad as AR himself because when he was in there, he was um, pretty good. He looked pretty special. Um, I know I've gotten some pushback from it, like, oh, he didn't finish games, he didn't do this. But I think Sunday's game, which we'll get into, it, it kind of uh, highlighted what Anthony Richardson does for this team and um, him not being in there, the explosive plays, the big playability, just the way the defenses have to respect him. Um, it changes everything for this team. And so uh, 173 offensive snaps throughout his rookie season so far. That could be all we see. Um, you know, seven touchdowns, uh, four rushing touchdowns, three passing touchdowns. Youngest player in Super Bowl era to have multiple passing touchdowns and a rush touchdown in the same game as he did against the Rams in that OT thriller. I mean, the Colts to me, probably felt like after week one, oh, we got a guy. And certainly felt that way after week four. Like, okay, we have our franchise guy. But now the biggest question is, can he stay healthy? And obviously that wasn't the case this rookie season. Um, you know, got knocked out of the season opener with a knee injury. Got the concussion, which knocked him out of week two. Kept him out of week three as well. Um, only finished week four uh, injury free. Week five comes back and has the just, um, you know, brutal uh, AC joint sprain. Um, grade three sprain to his throwing shoulder on a routine, you know, tackle. So a uh, tough break for him, tough break for the team. But obviously they have to think about their long-term future with Anthony Richardson. And I think Michael Pittman Jr., as you read in my story, Jim, hit it right on the head. Like, you know, they're hoping that you play here for 50, 15 years. So you can't risk this one year for that. Although, man, like six quarters is basically all we got, Jim. Six. I know. Six quarters and, and like you said, seven touchdowns. So it's hard not to be excited about that. Uh, I think the biggest bummer, and I got, I think I got to credit uh, uh, Ben Solak from the Ringer. He kind of pointed this out last night I, on Twitter. I saw, but like the biggest thing, one of the biggest knocks on Anthony Richardson coming into the season, other than accuracy, which again we talked about, I think that was a little bit overblown given some of the some of the things that uh, they were doing in Florida. But anyway, the biggest knock on him was was reps, experience. Like that's what he needed. That's that's what he had to have. That's why. I think everybody that was thinking about this clearly thought he's got to start from week one, play as often as he can, get as many reps as he can, and 84 at 84 passes. I mean, 84 passes is where his progress stops for year one. And again, like, I still think we saw enough to believe in the future of Anthony Richardson in terms of how special he can be. But, like I said, I mean, you know, he had 200, oh, I'm looking at him at 393 passes in college. And I think most of us expected. That was his entire collegiate career, 393 passes. I think most of us expected he'd surpass that this year alone and and learn from that and grow as a passer and, and do all that. And again, I don't think the whole season will be wasted. I, I think he's going to learn a lot with sitting next to Shane Steichen, being in the quarterback room. I think he's going to stay engaged. It'll be hard. It'll be hard. But unfortunately, Anthony Richardson has some experience uh, with staying engaged uh, while hurt, you know, and so he he's kind of done that before. But yeah, it's like I said, it just it just stinks because he's this is the one thing he really needed the most was was experience and reps, and he's not going to get that now. And so now he'll probably have to undergo surgery, and James is going to kind of dive into that. So look look for that later in the in the week here um, as to what that might entail and what that'll look like and what the recovery might look like. So that'll be really interesting to read. But yeah, I I don't know what else to say, man. It's like I said, it, it just it just stinks. Like I I I was. It's not even just like the development of him and and the future franchise quarterback of the Colts. Like all that is the number one most important thing in terms of the football side of things. But 
I just I feel robbed of fun. I, I had fun. I loved watching him play. It was fun to watch. He was one of the most electric, exciting players to watch. It. I mean, I'm thinking back to the, the the one we broke down the other week. I mean, the throw with Aaron Donald hanging all over him. Like, there's just guys don't do that. It's like Josh Allen and him pretty much can can do that kind of thing. And now we don't get to see a whole season of it. That's just I just I I feel robbed. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Looking through my binoculars um, during the Jacksonville game, which was sort of going to be Anthony's homecoming, being a Florida kid. I know he really looked forward to that game because he's playing in his home state. And I'm sure he probably would have had, probably still had, you know, a decent amount of friends and family. I know he trains there in the offseason, I believe. Um, had trained there, I believe, previously with Gardner Minshew, um, uh, fittingly. Um, and to see him just sign autographs for what felt like an eternity before the game um, with the bad arm, bad shoulder, whatever, um, and then have to go sit down on the bench or, or, or just kind of watch from the sidelines, that had to be tough for him. And I'm looking at him in the locker room, you know, uh, you know, after he showered or whatever and throwing on his hoodie and he's struggling to get his hoodie on. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, man, like that's that's tough. And and you see the, you know, I'm not a doctor, obviously, but you see him in the sling. But then when you see him out of it, like I said, when he's trying to put on, put on his hoodie, he can't move his arm. He can't move his shoulder. Um, that's not like, you know, some, you know, crazy revelation or I'm like leaking information. Like, no, I'm just looking at him in the locker room and I'm like, Guys don't put on, you know, hoodies like that. And so it's it's tough. And you feel for the kid. You know, I know he's been through a lot in his life, so maybe that'll help him as far as just the mental toll of things. Um, you know, he had a bit of a uh interesting week where he met a fan. And people saw that on Twitter where he went to someone's fan's house and, and met him, and the guy goes immediately in to shake his hand really hard. And he's because he's so excited and starstruck. And you see, and you see AR's shoulder, and I'm like, wait a second, you know, don't, don't, don't do it that hard. But um, we were talking about this in the media room. Maybe that's like, you know, you don't want to see obviously Anthony just stopping off at every fan's house, but maybe that's a moment where he's like, I gotta get on my own head, my own like kind of a uh, turmoil and make somebody else's day. And so maybe that's what, what he needs to do periodically to kind of just get um, out of that funk. But I do think that the other thing, and this is just my own personal opinion about anything in life, the unknown is scary, right? Like right, even right now, no decision has been made um, on his shoulder. Um, it'll ultimately come down to, you know, the, what the doctors say, what he feels is, is the right necessary move for his own career. However, the not knowing has to be sort of annoying, right? Like, okay, do I get surgery? Do I not get surgery? I think personally in my own life, when you do finally get like a definitive answer on something and it's like, okay, these are the stuff I have to do to move forward. Then it becomes maybe an easier pill to swallow. Cause it's like, all right, this does stink. I am disappointed. However, I can see like, okay, my path down this tunnel and, and, and through it to the light. So um, we'll see. But I do think that that offense was severely, um, you know, limited without him. And I know I got a lot of pushback, you know, it was like, hey, you know, they got to run the ball and they abandoned the run and they did it against the Titans. So the longest run they had against the Titans was Zach Moss's 56 yard touchdown run, which Zach Moss and Quentin Nelson broke down so beautifully in one of the Colts' uh, postgame videos where they said multiple defenders were scared of Anthony Richardson pulling the ball and bounced to the outside. So they went with him. And guess you what? Can they see left? It. Yes. And it left the middle of the field wide open, Jim for Zach to run in for the longest run, longest touchdown of his career. Not um, a burner. Four years That's in. A, Zach, and not a burner, Zach Moss, either. So no, exactly. Like, there was a lot of space. <laughs> exactly. So it was kind of like, oh, I could drive a car through here. 
That was not the case against the Jaguars this past Sunday. And I know you have some stats to sort of back this up, Jim, when you were digging and doing some um, um some research. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I saw what you and the, the good fight you and uh Mr. Stephen Holder were fighting on, on Twitter <laughs> there. And uh and I was I, I just wanted to back you guys up and say, like, listen, when when you're splitting four wide receivers and the defense is showing you seven men in the box, that's not respecting the quarterback's ability to beat you downfield or beat you at all, really. They are daring the quarterback to throw. And again, I think Gardner Mitchell, we, we talked about the Gardner Mitchell will have better days. He won't play oh, as poorly yeah. as he yeah, did. for sure. As he did as, against the Jaguars. But he, he 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 will do better. And again, to be, to be fair to Steichen and to be fair to Vinciu, that's the read. Like when you see seven in the box and you split four out, whatever you, if you have a run play called, you should be audible into a pass. You sh- that's what you should be doing because that's what the defense is telling you. That's what's open. So that's what they do. But yeah, the stats you were referring to, um, this was the biggest, you know, this year, the Jaguars put 47% of the time they had eight men. Uh, they rushed against eight men in the box. So, uh, Colts running backs, eight men in the box. That's the highest number this year by a significant margin. Now, the highest number before was Jacksonville in week one at 38.5%. But that's a 10% jump by the same team based on playing two different quarterbacks. Now, again, to be fair, Jacksonville didn't know exactly what Anthony Richardson was going to be, uh, but but 38% of the time, the Colts running backs were running against a loaded box in week one, 47, almost a nine, so a 9% jump uh, in, in week six against Gardner Minshew. Again, that shows you the kind of respect that they had for Richardson versus what they had for uh, for, for Minshew. And, and again, you, you saw the lack of like running effect. Like yards before contact, they were at 0.24. The running backs had no chance to go anywhere, which, again, this is why Steichen and Minshew went away from the run. They, could, they couldn't get anything going. And here, here's where their yards before contact the previous few games. 2.47 against the Titans. 2.03 against the Rams. 1.89 against Baltimore. 2.87 against Houston. So they had room to run in those games. 0.24. That means they were getting hit pretty much at the line of scrimmage just about every time. So, again, there is no reason to keep banging your head against the wall if you're Shane Steichen and, and the Colts running game. You needed to throw. You needed to be able to throw. This is what you wrote. They needed, again, maybe maybe we should have rephrased it. You wrote it and I saw it, but they needed Gardner Minshew to be maybe not the best player on the field, but they needed him to be the guy who could lead them lead their offense and, and take them, uh, elevate them because he needed them to be able to throw them in open and throw the gain first down through the air. And he couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it that week. We can get into semantics, but he had to be the best player in their offense on this past yes. Sunday. And yes. that's that, I mean, that that's what you ask. It might not be every week, but sometimes you have to ask that of your quarterback in the NFL. You have yeah. to be our best player or or if you want to get, you know, maybe a little more detail, the most important player, whatever, the most effective player, whatever you want to use. But the bottom line is they said, OK, we know what JT can do. He's special. We're not going to allow you to do that. We know what Zach Moss can do. He's proven to be an above average running back in the NFL when he's given enough carries. We're not going to let him just bruise his way to um, 100 yards. We're going to force your weakest link to have to be your best player. And he couldn't, you know, make enough throws. Now, it's not that Gardner has to come out and throw for 300 yards and throw darts and dots all across the field. However, you have to be able to keep them honest at some point and throw it past the sticks. Because even on, you know, some of the longer uh, throws that he had, only at the 40-yard play to Jonathan Taylor, which is a good um, play call, actually, you know, got JT out, spread out wide, 
um, ran him across the field and mashed. And basically, these kind of rub route, pick route to get him open, and he caught it and ran for you know forever. But all of that to say, um, they're going to have to be creative in that sense because if you can't throw a pass to Sticks, no team is going to ever get out of their base defense, which is what I asked Ryan Kelly. So a lot, a lot of the pushback was funny because it's like. I'm not saying this because it makes me uh, sound smart or makes me feel good. It's because what the players themselves told me, you know, Ryan Kelly, your starting center, a Pro Bowl um, caliber senior uh, center in, in years past, he's saying they were in base defense. They were, and then JT saying they're in a diamond front, they're in a seven man front. And we can, and then Ryan Kelly literally said, we thought we could throw him out of it. And they didn't. So you know what the Jaguars did? The same thing over and over again, which led to a fairly easy victory. And I will add this too. They were still doing okay, but to compound the inability to run the ball and to push the ball down the field were the interceptions in the in the lost fumble. Um, because Jacksonville, to the Colts' defense's credit, they didn't have, you know, some explosive, you know, 500-yard offensive day where they, you know, the scoreboard, 37 points, was more indicative of their field position whenever they had the ball because it was almost always after um, a turnover. They scored 17 points on turnovers this past Sunday, which was a stat that Shane Sykin immediately threw out there after the game. We can't have that happen. And so um, it was a difficult day all around on offense, and I think that that was something that's going to be a rude awakening going forward. And I don't expect it to get much better, at least in this upcoming week, against the Browns, who is one of the best defenses in the NFL, and are going to do the same thing. They're going to stack the box and say, hey, Gardner Minshew, you got to beat us. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure the Colts and Shane Second will scheme up some different things and try some new things, but the bottom line is you have to be able to at least give your wide receivers a chance to win some of those one-on-one matchups that you're going to inevitably have with eight men, seven men in the box. So um, we'll see. But, yeah, it, it was uh, that was a very, very eye-opening um, sort of day where you realize some of the limitations to Gardner Minshew. And really why, in my opinion – no knock on him, but why he is a, uh, you know, really good spot backup, but could never be, you know, this franchise quarterback or could be a starting consistent quarterback in the NFL. I know a lot of fans um, always ask about that. Like, he should get a shot somewhere. But you know what? Fans never say he should start for my team. They say he should start for my team. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's, right. and that's kind of why it's that, you know, once you kind of figure him out, there are significant limitations. Now, he is very smart. Um Takes care of the football, like you said, Jim. 46 touchdowns against 15 interceptions going into that game. Um, only the second time in his career where he's had four turnovers in a game. I wouldn't expect that every single week, but I do think it's going to be difficult to generate offense without, you know, a guy like AR who can, you know, uh, uh, basically make something, um, you know, out of nothing sometimes, which is what you need in the NFL a little bit. It's, it's sometimes you need your guy to just be better than the other guys. And um, Gardner Minshew is a good plug guy, but he can't. Um, be the guy um, and so we'll see but also you know maybe a, a, more, a more ramped up JT can help where he's getting more of a full workload and, and he's not sort of on like this uh, you know ramp up period and maybe he just kind of get the the leash pulled off him this upcoming week and we'll see what happens yeah I mean the other thing I would say about about Minshew and, and about Richardson I mean we talked about the running game and not having you know they have to respect that element of Richardson's game and Minshew doesn't have it the other thing we talked about that Anthony Richardson does, again, he does it better than I think most people understand. Not just good for a rookie, but good for, uh, really good for an NFL quarterback is he he he's good at avoiding pressure and, or or negating pressure and avoiding sacks. It's probably a better way of saying it. Um, Bernard Ryman really struggled. I, I just sent you the stats uh, right before we started, but 
Josh Allen kind of had a field day against Ryman this this weekend, and uh, he got pressure on nine of his 37 matchups against him, which is a high percentage, 20, almost 25% of the time. And again, Josh Allen's a really, really good player, and, and Ryman was just back from injury. But the thing is, I think we, you and I have talked about, hey, this offensive line is playing a little bit better than than we expected them to play this year. And that was the reason things went so poorly for them last year. Well, I also think, you know, Matt Ryan didn't do a great job of, of navigating pressure. He didn't really have the ability to move and, and step up and do the things that, again, Anthony Richardson is really, really good at feeling pressure, at sensing pressure, and then avoiding making a costly mistake because of pressure. We saw all the fumbles that Matt Ryan had last year. You saw the fumble that Gardner Minshew had this um, this time that turned into points. That's another element of this that Gardner Minshew is going to have to navigate for the Colts because I think Anthony Richardson was maybe making the offensive line look in pass protection better than they actually are in terms of total talent. Again, I might be wrong on that. We'll we'll see as it goes. But I I just think that's one of those elements of, hey, if we're going to drop back and pass because we have to, because we're facing all these loaded fronts, the line's going to have to hold up in protection and Minshew's going to have to do a better job of avoiding pressure, of avoiding sacks, avoiding negative plays, and, and and again, it's it's going to be tough. It's it's going to everything is going to be a little bit tougher. It's when you have a quarterback who doesn't move like Anthony Richardson does. We I, I remember writing about this with with Philip Rivers was there. Everything has to be kind of more perfect. Receivers have to run their routes precisely and on time, and the pass has to be there precisely and on time, and the line has to hold up for enough time for those things to happen. When you don't have a Superman back there who can kind of you know, hey, something went wrong. I'll break it down. I'll make a play myself. I can do that. I can go run. I can go scramble for X amount of yards, or I can I can buy enough time for somebody to get open. You don't have that anymore. Not as much. So now you're going to have to be more precise and more locked in, and that's just going to put a lot of pressure on everybody on offense, not just Gardner Minshew, but the offensive line, the running backs as well. Absolutely, and I think a prime example of that pressure sort of getting to Gardner Minshew was that last pick, especially in the end zone where he gets pressured and throws off his back foot in the past is, um, you know, first off, he's not able to avoid that pressure and, and kind of give himself an extra time, whether it's a sidestep, a spin move, whatever. Um, he throws off his back foot and then it's short where if Anthony Richardson, obviously if he throws off any foot, um, I mean, he had a, <laughs> uh, he jumped and threw a pass while being hit by Aaron Donald and it went for like, you know, 40 yards on a rope. So that's the case where he threw off his back foot. Anthony Gardner Minshew, that is, got picked, and you just wonder, okay, if a different quarterback was in there, if your franchise quarterback or potential franchise quarterback was in there, would that have been one where Pittman gets more of a chance on a 50-50 ball because it just wasn't. You know, after the game, MPJ was really nice and was like, hey, you know, I got to be able to go up and get a handle on some of those and, you know, uh, find a way to, you know, come down with it. But at the end of the day, when your quarterback – underthrows you like that on that last pick and then the other two just sails both of them really really high there's nothing you can do um and I think that also is is kind of like a product of that pressure kind of getting to Gardner Minshew where um a few of them he wasn't hit um you know he just got sped up and the ball really sailed um and, and just wasn't even close um I, I would like to see I don't know if there's a stat for it, but like just like where the ball ended up being yards wise compared to where it was intended for the receiver because that was uh that was pretty tough those were some 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 egregious throws I thought and again Gardner Minshew I, I will hang my hat on this if I know nothing else he will not be that bad as far as the turnovers the rest of the way in every single game but again you see the limitations you see how difficult it can be and then um before we knew it the game was already over I remember uh when after the strip sack 
fumble, and then Travis Etienne went in and scored a second rushing touchdown. They were up 14-3. Um, I thought to myself, oh, it's over. Um, and it's not because it, it – it, it, well, actually, it is because they don't have a player if, like, JT isn't going off – um they don't have the passing game to really come back from a deficit. And I've been asked, you know, uh, different radio shows and just on Twitter, like, Hey, how do they try to win going forward? And I think it'll have to do a lot with their defense. Can you generate turnovers? Can you give them a short field? And then Matt Gay, you paid him that money. And I, and I know, you know, Shane has been pretty aggressive and, you know, for better or worse, it's worked out. I think it's, you know, for the most part, his coaching decisions have been fine, but maybe you do get a bit more conservative in certain situations where it's like, Fourth take and one, yeah, and you're just like, man, if it's a tight game, maybe we just take the points and live to fight another day because I, I don't know if you can really risk uh, uh, kind of gambling like that because you're not I – mean, first of all, you got to get down there. I mean, the, the, the Colts often struggle to even get down the field in the first half. I mean, it was 21-6 to six against the Jaguars. So, um, yeah, just, just a tough – Tough dose of reality without Anthony Richardson in there. And, uh, you know, the, the guys are going to rally, and I think the defense – well, uh, kind of feel like they felt last year in a sense where it's like it's on us to kind of make this an easier job for the offense, which is a lot to ask of that defense. But I mean, what else can you ask of anyone else at this point? Because you know what you got. Um, you know, you can expect. I've even gotten this gym where it's like, well, JT, you know, went off and had, you know, all these different yards and he won the rushing title and they played all these stacked boxes. You know who else was coming in the block? Jack Doyle, you know, who isn't there anymore. Jack Doyle. Like, I think that his absence has been severely understated when it comes to the season that JT had. Now, he's special. I'm not denying that at all. JT's one of the best running backs in the NFL, one of the best players in the NFL. However, it helps a ton when you had a guy like Jack Doyle, um, who was basically like, like, you know, functioning as your sixth or seventh lineman sometimes and can just take guys out. They don't have that element in the tight end room right now. Um, Mo Ali Cox is like they're blocking tight end, but he's not on the same level as Jack Doyle. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I also think the offensive line was kind of at the peak of their powers. That was that was oh you know, absolutely Pro Bowl Ryan Kelly, you know All, all Pro, pro yeah. Quentin Nelson, Anthony Costanzo. Like that was that was a really really good offense. Braden Smith was still playing really well. Mark Lewinsky was here and playing really well. Um, that was a and that was a line that also had played. If I remember correctly, I think that was the line that played all 16 games together or, or pretty close. I mean, they were just healthy and 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 they were able to do, you know, a lot for Jonathan Taylor. I have to take away anything from Jonathan Taylor. That's another thing. Offensive line, like you said, hasn't been healthy. Braden Smith missed, you know, the, the, the last game and you got other, uh, you know, with the, with the hip injury. Braden Smith has been in and out, obviously, with the concussion. Um, Ryan Kelly missed a few games with concussion. So I believe going into, yeah, I wrote this this past weekend. They've only had their full offensive line, their full starting offensive line for one game um, in its entirety. Like they've had them to start week two against Houston, but they haven't had it for a full game since week one. 
which is, I mean, it's tough to obviously build any type of continuity up front when you don't have your main dogs in the trenches, you know, kind of trying to fight and scrap for yards um, with guys they're familiar with. They have to adjust every single week, not only to different quarterbacks, just different guys on the right or left of them, which is, I'm sure, a lot more complicated than it might seem like when I was subbing offensive linemen in and out you know, in my Madden days. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're like you said, continuity is a huge part of it. I remember, you know, you talk to those guys all the time and, and they'll say like you you get to know the habits and and the just the way the guy plays next to you and what he likes and when he doesn't need and when he needs help and all that stuff. And you don't really get to learn that kind of stuff um, if you're not playing next to the same guys all the time. So they'll build that continuity. It'll get better again. I I, I don't think everything will be as bad as a Jacksonville game. Um, but, you know, that's a house of horrors anyway. So they were working against the curse uh, oh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Jim, where were you in 2014? September 2014. Oh my God. Uh I was in I was in Indy. I don't know where I was doing. I was probably I don't know. Working on the producer desk at the Indianapolis Star, I'm pretty sure. That's I don't what know. I'm I saying I'm like, what 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 like it's almost 10 years ago. I was a I was in Champaign Urbana for college, which I mean Reggie Wayne was in his final year of playing. He's in his second year as a as a wide receiver coach now. So <laughs> it's just that that streak in and of itself. I mean, that, then honestly it became an afterthought um during that game because so much of the the, the conversation was about the quarterback. But I was like, oh yeah, that streak. And 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 um Ryan Kelly brought it up kind of unprompted. Uh MPJ had a you know Michael Hitman Jr. had a good quote about it. He's like, there's something about this place we can't win here. And it, it it's it's a weird thing. But um before we kind of pivot off of that, I do want to ask really quickly um, how do you think, you know, Anthony's injury now that we've seen that first chapter sort of without him, um, and knowing he's going to miss time, how does that change the, the tenor of this season or, or, or what we define as, you know, the, 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 a good season, a successful season, a, a, a positive season, if you can find something, uh, silver lining in this. Stop reading my notes. That was what I was about. Oh, I was about man. to turn the conversation and ask you that question. Uh, but actually, while I was doing it, I actually looked up my own LinkedIn to see where I was in 2014. I was in Greenfield. I was a Greenfield Daily Reporter, sports reporter, following up uh, Zach Kiefer, who had been there before that. So there you go. Um, so there you go. Anyway, there's a fun fact for no one that no one cares about. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, that's what I was I, honestly that was what I was going to ask you next was what what is a successful season now? And I don't know. Um, and again, when you kind of put it against the light of the trade deadline coming up. It makes me, I, I I don't know what to think. Like, I don't know if I should say, well, Hey, the season's over. You should sell the pieces you can. I don't necessarily think I feel that way. I think Shane Steichen is trying to build something here um, and, and create, set a culture and set a tone for what his tenure is going to be like. Now, being honest with you, I think some of that's BS sometimes when you said coaches say those things, setting a tone and setting a culture. I'm like, yeah, yeah, like winning and losing pretty much. That's what does it. Um, so again, winning, we're trying to win will probably help. But I also am not a huge believer in momentum uh, carrying over from year to year. Like if you had a bad year, I don't think that's really going to stop you from being good the next year or vice versa. Like look at that. One of the other teams I edit the athletic is the, the Giants. They was a playoff team. They won a game last year and they are a friggin' train wreck this year. There's no momentum that carried over despite trying to make, you know, additions in the off season. So I don't necessarily think that should stop you from trying to build for the future. I don't I'm very torn. Like I said, I, it's very fresh. Obviously, this Richardson news, and I'm trying to process it in terms of what I think. But I don't think I'd start selling pieces, and therefore, I guess, 
I think a successful season is is trying to stay in the hunt as long as you can. I mean, this is a more talented team or a better, maybe it's a better coach team than I expect them to be um, going into the year, friskier. Um, but I also kind of think over time, and we saw it twice against the Jaguars, they're not in the same class as Jacksonville yet. Like, they're just not there yet. Um, and they probably won't be. And that's fine. Um they're probably more in the mix with Houston and Tennessee for that sec to finish second uh, in the AFC South, which again, I don't think will buy you a wildcard spot given how loaded the AFC is. So yeah, I don't have a good answer, man. Like I said, I don't feel good about the direction. I guess you just try to figure out who your building blocks are outside of Anthony Richardson. Do you, you know, is Juju Brent's a guy? I mean, is he going to be a guy for you? What are you, you know, what are your thoughts on, Quiddy pay is he a guy that you're building around at this point are you building around you know is and then i guess you start to evaluate some of the veterans are you bring is deforest buckner a guy you want to pay again bring back to for another big contract and see if he can help you be part of the next colts winning team is grover stewart that guy is kenny moore that guy um some of the offensive linemen are you gonna are you gonna part with these guys at the end of the year like i think you if you're chris ballard particularly you start to have to watch this season with an eye on next season without maybe dismantling the team. Um, at least that's my answer. Now, again, if Chris Bauer, I don't think this is what he'll do because it just seems like something goes against everything that he, he kind of stands for. He likes he competes for every win. I don't, but if he starts selling off pieces, I would understand that a hundred percent because that's keeping an eye on the future. I just don't think that's what's going to happen. So I think, I think what they're going to have to do is, is just start evaluating this team and seeing what can they build around here? Who needs to be brought back next year for this team to be competitive in, in 2024. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I think you hit it right on the head. Um, I want to have this hot take and say, Oh, DeForest Buckner could be on the trading block. Right. Cause it makes sense in a vacuum, but teams aren't building a vacuum. Relationships aren't in a vacuum. He means a lot to that locker room. He wanted to be here. I mean, he could have done a Stephon Gilmore and be like, hey, you know, this stage of my career, can you get me out of here and send me to a contender or a playoff team? And, and I'm sure they would have done it. But, yeah, they're, they're in a tough spot because I do think they're going to try to keep winning. They're not going to just th- wave the white flag and, and, and try to get in on the Marvin Harrison Jr. sweepstakes, even though I know a lot of fans would probably prefer that. Like, don't win any more games. Make everything a close loss, which would be their preference, but it doesn't work like that. And and quite honestly, um, and I had this conversation with players last year where it's like, you hear all the chatter about a top pick, but if you're a guy in the locker room, you don't care about that because you know um, there's a guaranteed guy coming in here to take one of those 53-man roster spots, and I don't want that spot to be mine. And so they don't care about, you know, who's coming in or who could help the team until they're actually on the team. And so uh, – I think what I would and what I did define as a successful successful season coming into this was that Anthony Richardson ended it healthy. I always said that, you know, on top of everything else, he could have thrown 30 interceptions healthy. But um the the the, the hard part is that he didn't come out and throw a bunch of interceptions. He wasn't, you know, a deer in headlights. He wasn't this super raw, um, you know, uh just incapable uh, of processing the game quarterback. He was good really good in, in flashes. And now, you know, you kind of have to put that on pause. And I do think it gives you more time to, okay, let's throw Jalen Jones out there, see what he's got. 
let's throw Julius Brents out there. He he's been up and down in a good way. I don't mean that in a bad way. Like he's had, you know, the last few weeks he got beat on a couple of plays. He's made a couple of plays, but you you live with that, especially when you know that the wins and losses this year don't don't actually matter as much as in other years, um, or years in the future. Uh, if you get your QB situation together and AR comes back healthy and everything is you know la di da. But uh, even Josh Downs, who continues to be one of the top uh, receivers in the NFL in terms of creating separation. I mean, look at that route he ran for his first career touchdown. He can get open anywhere in a phone booth, um, you know, in the shower, whatever. He can just get open. Um, that guy is really good at that. And I see you shaking your head, Jim. <laughs> He's I honestly, man, I, I I had high hopes for him going in. I, I didn't think he'd be this good this quick. I really didn't. Like he is, I don't want to say special yet, but like in terms of a slot receiver, that dude is just about everything you could ask for. He is tough as nails. He catches just about everything. He is more than just a shifty guy who gets open over the middle. Like he can beat you deep with with some long speed. Like so, I didn't mean to interrupt you at all. I'm just shaking my head because like they got a guy. Like I, again, you you, you don't want to necessarily. I don't want to get too excited, but like that guy can he can really really play. Like to me, if you do decide to bring back Michael Pittman Jr. and you have Josh Downs, you're like. You're like one dude away from having like a legit, legit receiving core. And again, not to knock Alec Pierce. I think there's still room for growth. He's never been my guy, but I don't want to also not leave room for that. Um, but if you do add a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. or whatever, like, man, or, or, or you know, like a legit tight end. Not to, again, not to knock the guys that they have, but they don't have like a, a, a go get it pass catcher. You know, they don't have Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews or one of those guys. Um, so, but. That's to me, and again, this is more in my head. I'm more of like, if you have three dudes, you got a legit passing offense. And right now, I think they have two dudes, which is Pittman and Downs. And I don't know, you know, we'll see what Pittman's future is. We can talk about that in a minute. But like, I just, uh, yeah, Josh Downs has been more impressive than I ever imagined he would be through the first six games of his career. There you go. You got to find something positive. We'll call uh, <laughs> Jim, Mr. Positive. He finds something to be happy about. And it is something to be happy about because. Um, now that AR seems to be sort of out of the picture as far as playing, um, it definitely feels like the best rookie the Colts have at the moment is Josh Downs. I don't think anybody would argue that. And like I said, Julius Brents has stepped up. Blake, Blake Freeland, for better or worse, has gotten some experience out there, which is good. Always want to get your offensive linemen some reps. Um, maybe you want to get healthy, obviously, so he doesn't always get those reps. You get the Aaron Donald and other players, but he, you know, has shown promise and um, beyond that, you, you just hope that, again, you get through the rest of the season without any major injuries to your other core players um, and, and see where it takes you. But um, I think also one of the questions I have as far as a successful season goes, now that Anthony Richardson is not there, is can we get JT at some point to look like the old JT? Um, and I know he's been on like this snap count the last few weeks and, and it's, you know, limited. However, you do want to know that, okay, I gave this guy – 42 million, 26.5 million guaranteed, and he's still a dude. I'm not saying that he can't be, and it might be, it might be tough, like I said, because they're going to keep stacking the box. However, I'm kind of waiting on like that welcome back JT moment, whether it's a, you know, breakaway run or a, a really nifty run, his first touchdown, you know, something to kind of, you know, just remind us that he is healthy, which, you know, is a very positive thing. But um, unfortunately, it's kind of been hampered and, and hidden because he's only had literally one play one snap with Anthony Richardson 
um, before, uh, you know, AR messed up his shoulder and is going to be out. Well, it looks like it might be out for the season. So, um, yeah, just I guess that's my last little thing is like keeping an eye on JT. Can he be the JT of old? And do we have sort of those games where maybe the Colts aren't supposed to win, but they win because that dude put him on his back and ran for a buck 60 and, you know, two or three touchdowns? I have a question for you. <laughs> if if Richardson had gotten hurt like a game sooner, would Jonathan Taylor have his contract? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> I I think so. Okay. Because I think Jim Ursa got excited about where the team could go. Uh, with yeah, oh, that's, that's a tough question because – I look at that question and also like I'll tack on like a, a bit of uh, another one that I've kind of thrown back and forth in my head. In addition to that one is had they been like 0 and 4 or 1 and 3, would he have gotten an extension? And I do think that I'll just say it. I do think that if Anthony Richardson had been hurt a game sooner, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation about JT being extended because it changes everything. I mean, the the big one of the biggest things. Jim Irsay said that during that teleconference call right after the deal was finalized was we saw what this can be with Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor. Now without one of those two guys, without the guy AR, I don't, I'm not sure that JT gets paid, which is why I don't think that his uh, running back contract, the way he went about getting it is a blueprint that other teams can follow or their players can follow because it was like the perfect storm for him to get paid. Um, you know, the rookie contract for a quarterback, um, him being, you know, an all pro player already, then coming off the injury. So maybe he can't demand a ton of money, but he can ask for a pretty good amount of money. All those factors, you know, uh, kind of came together. And then on top of that, you overachieved through your first four games of the year, um, first five, really. And then you came back down to earth. So I I, I don't think that he would have gotten that deal. No, if I, if I had to ask and had to predict like you know, an, <laughs> alter, an alternate reality, I don't think so, Jim. But the crazy part is, um, and I had somebody else point this out to me on Twitter, which is, you know, Twitter for better or worse is always entertaining. We actually had a better record through six games last year because they were three, two, and one. And this year they're three and three. But it feels oh my so different. Is that, doesn't is it? that right? Yes. <laughs> I, I'm like, I can't even believe that. That's crazy, right? But it feels so different. Like, oh I gosh. felt like after last year, I want to say they went to 3-2-1 after the weird um, Denver overtime game on Thursday night. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, everyone knew, I think, at that point, oh, man, this team is not good. They had a winning record. And then now it's like, you know, obviously Anthony Richardson's injury changes things, but you feel like they're like better coached and better prepared. They got a worse record technically, you know, which is so weird. And, and it kind of explains, like you said, the momentum, good or bad momentum doesn't really matter in this league, which is, uh, I guess why it's one of the better leagues because the, the parody, the unpredictability of it all um, makes it, makes it fun. But that, I thought that was a very interesting, you know, kind of tidbit. That's wild. Yeah, no, it was actually after you they went to 2-2 two, two and 1 after the Broncos win and then they beat Jacksonville 34-27 at home. Oh yeah, the, the and, Alec Pierce touchdown, yep. Yeah, yeah, and then and then they went on their losing streak at that point. They lost to the Titans, lost to the Commanders, lost to the Patriots and this then all hell broke loose. But um yeah, uh and, God, that is so weird. I I did not I never would have guessed it. I mean, if you 20 the 2022 season, 
I I would you know at this point in my head it's just like oh and sixteen you know what I mean like oh and seventeen <laughs> like that's that's kind of, it just feels like a completely lost ridiculous season that nothing good happened and all that stuff but but they're right you're right that is an interesting thought uh, I to your point about Jonathan Taylor real quick like I said I think all it was a perfect confluence of factors mixed in with the having an emotional owner who is who is reactionary yes. to things that he sees yes. on the field and, and got excited and. You know, again, I kind of think, again, this is me just speculating. No information here. I think, obviously, you know, Jonathan Taylor wanted the contract. I kind of think Chris Ballard wanted to pay him. I think they were maybe just waiting on Jim Mersey to want to do it a little bit, and he did. Or maybe it was the other way around. Maybe Ursay finally convinced Ballard to do it. I'm not quite sure how it worked out, but I, I again, it is an interest. I would love to know the true behind the scenes of, of how that came to be, but. I think it was an emotional reaction. That's what I think happened. Man, Jim, I've had my shovel trying to dig, and I've been hitting like you know <laughs> ice, frozen, solid ground. Yeah, no one's um ready because everyone, everything now is like, oh, who cares about that? It's in the past, and I'm like, ah, well, we we love to know the inside on this stuff. But I will say this, um, you know, Jim Ursay did say on the record that he felt like you know I paid him sooner than I really wanted to, um, and and, and that's because I think that JT made it awkward put the pressure on them. And like you said, they were uh, pretty good early on and everyone kind of, ca- and I, and I'm not going to lie. I, re- I truly thought, you know, healthy Anthony Richardson with the healthy Jonathan Taylor, the Colts might actually be in this thing. They might actually have a chance to win, win this division. Me too. Um, but how quickly things can change on a four yard uh, scramble, not scramble, four yard design run and a routine tackle. I mean, I, I mean, even, just real quick, I know we got you out of here, but Trevor Lawrence with the weird uh, knee injury that he kind of got in the fourth quarter where, you know, he got up, they're saying he's probably going to be fine. They got a Thursday night game. No one's freaking out. But, I mean, that was probably, you know, uh, just another weird play where he could have come up lame or, or come up with a season-ending injury or something like that. And everyone was saying the same thing about him. They're saying about Anthony Richardson. So I'll just say, like, you know, on my soapbox, for all the people who continue to comment on these stories, and I think that a lot of these people aren't really Colts fans. They're just people that see the headline and kind of know the history of quarterbacks here with injuries and stuff like that. But Anthony did not get hurt this season doing anything reckless. Um, the most reckless thing he did was, pro- was probably easing up at the goal line in, in, in Houston. But, again, that wasn't like he was doing some, you know, uh, perfect example, Josh Allen. He wasn't doing anything like Josh Allen where he's like jumping and hurtling and playing <laughs> his body where, and I look at guys like Josh Allen, and I'm like, how how did you not get hurt? I'm not rooting for that to happen, obviously. I'm just saying like, how do you keep getting up? And it's just a matter of time um, when you're playing a sport that's violent where any hit, you know, big hit, routine hit, it could cost you. And it costs Anthony Richardson a lot this year. Could cost him. Um, his rest of his rookie season, and we'll get more word on that, I'm sure, or I won't say I'm sure, but I'm fairly certain we'll get that later this week. But I'm um, just kind of bummed out about him. But the show goes on. They got, you know, the, the Cleveland Browns coming to town, and they're not going to feel sorry for him. They're without their quarterback, and they're trying to make things work with it on their end. So it just is what it is at this point. But um, the biggest thing, which we both harped on, is Anthony Richardson's health is the number one priority of this organization. So um, even if, you know, he has this alien blood and he's healing super fast and you know, there's a chance he could play him, like, don't do it, don't risk it. Um, you know, if surgery is the best option, I'm sure they'll, they'll go with forward with that and we'll just have to wait until we see him um, next year. And uh, it's tough, man. It's tough because I know that kid, uh, 
He's been through a lot. Um, very high character. But um, if anything, uh, you you kind of find out who you are when you go through things like this. And I think this is a a, a true example of that. Like how can you come on the other side and maybe um, be a little better for it? So we'll see. Yeah, it's a big challenge for him, and and you know you'll see if he can overcome it. It's going to be a big challenge, as you said, for the Colts against the Browns. That's a that's a that's an incredible defense Ooh, right now. So, so they're going to have a tough one. Uh, they're going to have a real tough one in that game, but they'll have a little more chance to prepare, knowing not you know not not knowing that they're not going to have Anthony Richardson, and and they'll have Gardner Minshew, and 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 Shane Sykin's a good game planner. So we'll see what happens, but we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, we'll probably be talking about the shoulder the shoulder surgery that Anthony Richardson had. So. Tune in next week and we can we can kind of break all that down for you. But uh, until then, thanks for joining us. Hey, hey. hey football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.